Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Great to be here this morning. Be seated. Good to see you all. Looking bright and uh, great families and friends. And I think there's more people out in the back room. And uh, maybe we should have got Curly to do the whole thing here. uh, It's so good to be here. And I love Christian and Melissa. And uh, so uh, honoured to stand here in this pulpit. And uh, they're just great friends and a great family. Who loves McCubbins? They are the best of the best. And uh, Christian was in our church and uh, had some incredibly accurate words of knowledge for people who needed healing and uh, were journeying through sickness. In fact, we actually had a uh, like a live healing on the spot of a guy who had a pretty much, I think, a broken ankle. He was on crutches. Both his ankles were strapped. He had to be carried in the church and was just sitting sort of in the second row where this young man was. And, uh, and Christian made that call. He came out and barely walked. The power of God hit him. He was miraculously healed and banging his foot on the ground. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and uh, he was here on the other one and he's jumping up and down. and Just a phenomenal healing from there. It was, you know, it was just the end of the meeting and all these people got healed. We had so many people contact us in that following week that they genuinely got healed and uh, it was just phenomenal. And they're just amazing ministers. Hi, if you're watching online. Uh, we love them, and so bless them, honour them, and uh, do all you can to uh, love them and bless them. And just, just the significance of what Christian and Melissa carry when they yeah. visit other churches, it is impacting. It's like, wow, Christian's been here. Everyone got healed, and uh, it's phenomenal. So, great to be here. I want to talk to you this morning about belonging, and uh, I want to encourage you. And uh, sometimes we come to church, and we can go through the motions, and but it's important we know why, why we do what we do and, and what is it we're actually trying to do and how is it that God moves and so we come together, but it's not just you and I coming together and, a, you know, a system and light and camera and the whole sound system, but God comes into our dwelling together and uh, belonging is such an important understanding and revelation to stay connected and belong to a community. In Isaiah chapter 43, let's have a look at in verse 19. He says, I will make a road or make a pathway. Say pathway. 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 I love that. Pathway through the wilderness. Not just a pathway where everybody else has been, but a pathway where no one else has been. A pathway through the wilderness of the world for my people to go home and create rivers uh, for them in the desert. And pathways are so important for us because people find their way out of the things of this world. They find their way into the purpose of God. But to do that, you and I need to travel on a pathway. And uh, there's a pathway from an old life into a new life. There's the day of salvation. Who can remember the day they got saved? Where you were, what happened, or how, how it came about. It's, it's incredible that people that God puts in your life and sort of strange situations or a crisis in our life or somebody brought you to a youth um, a concert or something, somehow, some way. But there's a moment where you step over the line, right, and you come to Christ. But then over years go by, there's people that God connects you to and you begin to journey and progress on a pathway because God doesn't just save us from something. He actually saves us to something. He's got a whole purpose and a plan to grow us into, into his image. And so pathways are our next steps that we need to know to actually walk on and grow. And I would say that belonging in a connect group, in a body of believers, is probably one of the best pathways. Being gathered here on a Sunday, I love it. Well done for being here. The big gathering of church is phenomenal. The small gathering of connect groups, you call them connect groups here, life groups, uh, are so 
integral to the pathway of you and I forming Christ in us. And uh, God made four significant promises to his people at the time when they were enslaved in Egypt. So they're in Egypt, which uh, the word for that is mortso, which means to be hemmed in or penned in or limited. In Egypt, the people of Israel were slaves. They basically made mud bricks for Pharaoh. And it wasn't God's plan for their life. And it says in Exodus chapter 6, let's have a look at these four things in verse 6. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Well, he did that. He did this miraculous salvation. I will free you from being slaves, and I will redeem you. The word redeem means to buy back purpose. And so he redeems us, and he buys back purpose in our world. And, uh, and uh, I will redeem you with outstretched arms, with mighty acts of judgment. And the fourth one is, I will make you. That word make also means build or assemble you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, which is slavery, and I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hands to give to Abraham, to Isaac and Jacob. I'll give it to you as a possession of the Lord. And so there's this journey we can see. It's a journey of discipleship. It's a pathway. It's a journey of belonging that God is wanting to redeem us as a people, not just as individuals, but as a body of people caught out into the ways or from the ways of this world into the ways of God. The first one there is this step of salvation I'm talking about, where he does this miraculous act and they're about to get chased down by the army and then suddenly the sea opens and they go across and, you know, the... The Egyptian army is all drowned. Some people say it was only two inches of water. How did the whole army die in two inches of water? It was a miracle what God did. I'll bring you out from under the yoke. This is the this is salvation, the cup of sanctification, sanctification. We can't earn it. God does it. God just did it as a sovereign thing. And you and I come into the knowledge of that and we surrender our life to Jesus Christ because of what he's done. And the Father heart of God has always been to redeem you and I back into that relationship. And that way back in is not possible for us. It's only possible because of what Christ has done for us. It's not something we can work our way into or or be some perfect moralistic crusader or turn up to church 4,000 times and if we're lucky we get in or know, you know Justin and Justin knows a few people. And It's all about Christ and being hidden in Christ yeah. and it's what Christ has done for us. And it is Jesus' performance on the cross not our performance. And at that moment, we are saved and we are cleansed. We just had Easter. I'm sure you had a great message about that. The next step is about belonging. This is finding freedom and belonging. And uh, in the context of gathered in community and then discovering that in that place of community, there is healing, there is freedom, there is deliverance, there is growth, there is progression. So free from being slaves. And I love the scripture in John chapter 11 where Jesus does this miraculous act because he's with one of his best friends. Lazarus has died. It says in John chapter 11, verses 43, I'm reading from the message, that he shouted, Lazarus, come out. And he came out uh, wrapped from head to toe with a, a hand, you know, wrapped head, head linen on his face. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him loose. And so once again, we see the miracle where Jesus rises him from the dead. It's like this miracle of, Salvation, he saved his life, he is risen from the dead. But then he turns to the disciples and he says, You unwrap the grave clothes of his life. 
And so the disciples gathered in community. That was the church at the time. And they unwrapped all the stuff off him and set him free. And so the context of this freedom, the context of this belonging, happens by plan and being planted in a set of relationships. You know, contrary to uh, a lot of teaching today that you know, your personal destiny relies on all these principles, yeah. most of your personal, personal destiny and progression in life is wrapped up at 90% in other people you know who know Christ. And their jobs, God gives them eyes to see to help you get set free. And as you and I journey together in these places where I call them a connect group, where you can be open, you can be vulnerable, you can be transparent, you can be accountable, you can just do life together, you can eat together, you can pray together, you can cry together, you can do stuff together. In that place of belonging, in close proximity, see, discipleship happens in close proximity. It's like it's not just like a, a, an independent thing where you turn up to church and just go home and you live this independent life. It's not like that. It's... It's close proximity, and the Christ in me rubs off in the Christ in you. And the Christ in you rubs off in the Christ in me. And that's why God calls us to pray for one another and to gather, to gather together as one another and be planted in a set of relationships. And so when we do this, we find that there's a flourishing. If we stay connected to Christ and bring Christ into our world, we find that there's a freedom and a pathway that comes where we begin to grow. Psalm 92 says it so well. It says, Those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They'll be fresh and flourishing. And uh, I love that. Say fresh and flourishing. I mean, that's, I'm just going to say that over our life and over this church, over my life, and I don't want to get old and cranky and you know bitter and frail. I think we need to be fresh and flourishing. But the Bible makes it clear that that fresh and flourishing happens in the context of being planted in his house. Being planted in the house of God isn't just, well, I go to C3 Noosa and I'm a member. It's not that. It's actually I'm planted in a set of relationships and we're doing life together and we're walking with Christ together. That word flourish means to thrive. It means to prosper or to influence or to achieve success and and I'm not sure anybody's getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning and believing that their life is a failure. Amen? You're not sort of walking the beach and crying out to the Lord and praying and fasting that you're going to be an absolute, your life is going to be an absolute mess. No, you're believing that your life yeah. is going to be blessed because God, God has made that way possible. And you feel great when you do well in life. But I know that I do the best when I'm connected with brothers in Christ. Yeah. And so we'll know that trees go through four different seasons. And, uh, you know, and, and, but the thing is that the tree remains planted. It goes through winter. And I was recently doing some gardening, actually last year, on this tree that, you know, was just dead, but it was just winter. I thought I might chop it down. And then, no, 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 don't chop it down. It's just, it's just sort of in the season of winter and leaves all its leaves. And, and then summer looks amazing and spring and autumn it starts to go again. And, and so the thing about a tree is that in its heyday, which is normally in summer or autumn, it looks amazing, but in winter, just like, do we really need this tree? It just looks dead, but it's actually alive. And so the fruit of that tree is beautiful, but the reason the, the best fruit on the best fruit trees are awesome is because the tree goes through the four seasons. If a tree just stayed in summer or spring all the time, the fruit wouldn't taste any good. And so you and I have to understand that as a tree to bear fruit in Christ, the key is we actually stay planted. It doesn't just pop itself out of the ground. So well, I don't want to be in this backyard. I'm going to go somewhere else. 
And so they remain planted, they belong, and that causes fruitfulness. And so you and I were designed to belong. We were designed to live in connection. We we're not designed to live in disconnection. When God created Adam and Eve, you know, Eve, he said it's not good for man to be alone. And so he created Eve. And so there's this sense of connection that God wants us to have. And uh, we're not called to do it all by ourselves. This independent Christianity where I just turn up and sit down and sing a few songs and leave and never talk to anybody, uh, never get established, that, that is not, it is a way of the world where people check in and check out and get what they want or they just watch online, but they don't enter into real relationships. And, and it's a safe Christianity, but it's actually not what God has called us to. And so the whole New Testament it is about belonging. It's about doing life together. It is about this gathering yeah. together. And uh, I would say, if you're not in a connect group, find a group or start a group or be part of a group. And uh, I'm so grateful for the connect groups that I was in, you know, as a teenager and then as a young adult. And some of the groups I'm in, I remember one group was in for about six or eight years and we all grew together, all single. And by the end of it, we're all married. And, and then when I, I planted a church, uh, we had a, a, a connect group. It was around about 15 years straight we had this group of people that we met with monthly. And out of that group came so many life experiences and, and journeys and, and, and journey with people who built businesses and bought homes and got married and had kids. But it was this consistent, like, we were like committed to this group every single month for many, many, many years. And it was fruitful. And I'm so grateful for that group of people because... Not only did we sort of knock the rough edges off each other and we grew together and that was actually powerful. And so who knows that the key to life is just getting along with other people. And people say, what is the success of business? People are looking for the, the elusive river of success. It's simply relationships. Yeah. Successful relationships is successful business. Yeah. And so the book of Ephesians, let's have a look at this. And I love this book. It's probably my favorite book. And it's about belonging, okay? And all through the book of Ephesians, if you want to do some homework or do a word study, I often read the message version, but there's plenty of versions. If you get a pen and go through the whole book and just underline the word us and in him, it's written to us. It's us, us, us. It's not written to I or me. It's written to the, the gathered body. And so it's about belonging. It talks about us in him. And this us, this belonging, is the central ingredient for the formation of Christ in us. And it's this belonging and this unity that I believe is attacked the most. The devil doesn't want you to be in a place of us, a place of unity, a place of connection, a place of belonging, because he doesn't like it, because where there is connection, there is power. We're going to unpack that in just a minute. Read Ephesians, here we go, chapter 4, verses 4. It says, you are all called to travel on the same road in the same direction. So stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are uh, you are and think to and do is a permeated, is to be permeated with a oneness. And so understanding that this oneness of staying joined together. It's basic 101 Christianity, but it's amazing how many people disconnect. Yeah. Or they come to church, but they're not connected. Or they, they leave church because of disconnection. Well, I believe that part of the fight of faith is a fight to stay connected. Yeah. The devil will attack the connections that you have. And there'll be times when we may not see eye to eye. 
There'll be times we might have a little bit of a spat here and there. But you know the great thing about Christianity is that we can forgive one another. We can rebuild relationships. We can find ways to get along. We can grow together. And, that, and the truth of the matter is if we can't forgive one another, if we can't find a way to get along in the house, how are we ever going to reach the world? And so there has to be a determined commitment that, okay, this hasn't worked, or I've had a fallout, or this is not working. What can I do? How can I serve someone? Else? How can I surrender? How can I repair the bridge? How can I make sure? Because the devil, is his goal is to disconnect you so that you are aimless and wandering on your own. One of the great stories of connection I love is a story of Rahab. Let's have a look in Joshua chapter 2, verses 12. Now promise me, my God, she says, I showed you mercy. Now show my mercy, show my family mercy, and give me some tangible proof, a guarantee of life for my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, everyone connected with my family, save our souls from death. She put herself out there, taking in the spies. But there was a journey where she risked her life, but she took in the spies. But then Rahab had to stay believing and connected in hope. Between Joshua chapter 2 and Joshua chapter 6, when the day of challenge came, when the day of challenge came, Rahab stayed connected and kept her whole house intact. She and her household were saved became part of the lineage of Christ, which is incredible. When you look at the genealogy of where Christ came from, he actually came. Rahab's family is mentioned in that genealogy. The funny thing is that there was 33 generations between Rahab and Jesus. In other words, her kids for 33 generations stayed connected to the house and were part of the family that brought Christ into the world. What an incredible thought. Jesus died at the age of 33. Stay in a place of belonging. Staying connected is not just about saving yourself, but it's saving the generations to come. We sing that amazing song, Be Amazed, Favour Be Upon You, Upon Your Children, Your Family, Your Children, Your Children's Children. Every time I sing that, because I don't know what's up ahead. I've got kids, and they're going to get married one day, and they're going to have kids, and maybe your kids are married, and you've got grandkids, and... And I don't know, it's like you just want it to be good for them, amen? So I'm praying that they stay connected to the house of God. Is the house of God perfect? No, not at all. Why is that? Because there's a whole lot of people living like you and I. (laughs) Right? Hello. Hello. None of us are perfect. When you find the perfect church, let me know. And uh, But praise God, we know we've got a few gears forward, we've got the reverse gear, and we can say sorry and mend fences if we need to. But the most important thing is you and I find a way to stay connected into the house of God because the word of God is going to come through that. God wants to travel through his house, through his people, to reach the generation of the future coming. Sometimes it's really hard to stay in church. It is a fight to stay connected. And I think one, one, maybe it's not just about you and I today in our current present circumstance staying connected. Maybe the battle is to not make sure that your generation, your sons and your children and your children's children don't stay connected. Maybe there's a prophetic war on that's actually a bit bigger than the problem you're facing now or you face from somewhere else. Maybe it's actually about the future that God's got for you that's bigger than your today and there's a fight on for you to stay connected so that you dislocate from that future or you forfeit it or you throw your crown. Four reasons why we need to stay connected. Let me encourage you here. Number one, in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, In speaking the truth in love, 
we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. To grow, we have to be connected. We need to be connected to Christ, and we need to be connected to one another. I love how it says we'll grow up in all things. You know, sometimes the church sort of see people disappear, yeah. and then they come back, and think, where did you go? And well, last week in church, it was quite phenomenal. It was three people walked into our service, and they hadn't been to church for 10 years. They used to be in our church 10 years ago. But all three walked in our church, and I thought, how are you going? And I'm like, hello, hello, I'm like, hello, what's going on here? Like, that's, all, that's Christmas for a pastor. How are you going? Where have you been? So I had to go and sort some things out of my life. And, and you know, you, you sort of, some people go off on these journeys and they had to grow up in a few areas. You've know, heard that sort of line. But here it says, you can go off on your own and grow up on a few things. But the Bible says that we'll grow up in all things when we stay connected. Yeah. And there's areas that you and I need to grow up in. But I would encourage you to do that, staying connected, not trot off and do it all by yourself and yeah. do a few laps in the wilderness. So we can grow up in some things on our own, but we grow up in all things when we're connected. The fight grows, the fight stay connected. Okay, the tree never struggles to grow. The tree's struggle is to find water, is to find life. It doesn't struggle to bear fruit. Fruit is just something that comes out of a healthy tree. And so uh, John 15, 5 says, He abides in me, and I in him bears much fruit. Without me, you can't do anything. Bring Christ into all of your meanings. Yeah. Bring a word of encouragement. Bring a moment of prayer. Bring something prophetic. Don't just be seeking God for yourself. Be yeah. seeking God for someone else. Sometimes our yeah. prayer life is all about us and our stuff and our problem and our circumstance and how bad it is. Maybe God's got something for you to give to somebody else. Pretty much most of what God gives you is to give away anyway. Yeah. And so it's like if we can just get a little bit bigger, but we're actually part of a body. It says as, as soon as a whole body starts to work together, it grows. This is what this whole scripture is saying. The body works together. The blood flows through all the parts of your body that are connected. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. We need the blood because it's the life. So to grow, we want to be connected. One of our great needs and desires is to grow. You don't just want to be the same person you were you know, five years ago. You want to be somewhere where you're challenged, where you're encouraged, and you're inspired. If you've just been encouraged and inspired and not challenged, I'm not sure that's like, that's just like, how do I say it? Pastoring is like a two-sided coin. It's, it's, about, it's about shepherding and looking after people. But if all I ever do is care and nurture you, I'm going to let you down. Because yeah. I need to stretch and grow you. Yeah. So it's care and nurture, but it's stretch and grow. There's times to grow, and there's times to care and nurture. But we have to understand that you might be in the fire right now where you're stretching and growing, but this is good for you. It doesn't mean that God's not caring and nurturing for you. He's yeah. loving you. And when you come through, you go, oh, that was really good. I'm so glad I'm, I've grown. And so number two is belonging makes us more effective. You can do a whole lot of work, but there's no fruit. Yeah. You can be spinning wheels and running around. But he says, if you actually are connected, it's the effective working. Ephesians 4.16, the whole body joined it together by every joint supplies. That means every single one of us has got something amazing to supply in its house. Yeah. Some of the things that you supply will not be seen. There'll be somebody who does something out the back, maybe it's in kids' church, or maybe it's someone who does a setup, or uh, not everything in church is seen. 
but everything that gets done as we supply and we bring what our gift is, every one of us has a unique assignment. You have a unique, a unique gifting, a talent, a skill, and as you bring that into the house as part of the, the mix of the cake, it's amazing. That's what makes church so great because everyone gets to contribute. And so it says every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does it should. What's effective? Effective is everyone contributing. See, everyone contributing makes it effective. It's just that if it's just the um, the Justin and the Christian team, well, that's a sure guarantee to keep a church small. But if every one of us get involved some way, and do what's revelation to you, and um, you'll find that's where the grace flows over your life. Okay, so effective working causes growth. The key to effective working, I believe, is everyone contributing something. Doesn't mean you just contribute and just burn out. No. God doesn't want to burn you out. Church doesn't want to burn you out. But we have to understand that there is boundaries and there's limitations. But if you do what your revelation is, you'll find the grace of God flowing through you. Find that group. Find how you contribute. There must be somehow, some way where you can contribute. Connect groups. <coughs> be in a connect group. 101. If you're giving out, you need input as well. And so belonging and building strong relationships are essential for us to contribute. So uh, I'd say, I'd say, if you're not in a connect group, can I encourage you to find a group? Are you the connect group man? Come and talk to Justin. And so um, effectiveness is everyone contributing and working together. This is what creates belonging when you're doing something, as opposed to just standing here or you know just warming a seat. The seat doesn't need to be warm; it's going to survive without you. <laughs> and let's do something. Let's get to work. Here's a great scripture: Hebrews 10 verses 24. It says, "And let us say, let us." Is this, is this helping anyone? Is this helping you guys? I love this scripture because I need this as a pastor too because we can get good at doing church. We can get real good at talking about a whole lot of things. But it's actually in the doing of what the Bible is promising that we see the power of God come on. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. How could we spur one another on? How could we spur one another on to love and good deeds? The next verse tells us. It says, let us not give up meeting together. Just coming here this morning, I'm on holidays, wake up, there's a big pool in our backyard, beaches over the road, I've got to go to church. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm going to church because I made a decision. I want to be in church. I want to help and bless my friend who, who runs this church here and all these people. When I, but when I come, I'm so encouraged to see Justin. He's been here for eight years. I'm encouraged that I see my friends who have travelled. I don't need to be here, they're on holidays. <laughs> These guys over here. And then I see Wally and Jen. Oh my gosh. Look, at they, they have not aged. Age does not weary them. When I was 16, they looked this good. And I'm like, I'm not, but I'm encouraged because the fact I'm encouraged to, I'm spurred on. I'm like, go for it. Come on. Keep going. Keep doing it. And I'm like, part of like, I'm on holidays. I need a break. I need to be on the beach. My goal is to get down at Moose Beach. That's my goal here. And but I'm here in church. I'm like, I'm encouraged that I see the familiar faces still walking, still worshiping, still serving, still lifting their voice, still lifting their hands, still gathered. When I mean you're in Noosa, I mean goodness me, you've got more excuses to be anywhere but in church. And so he says, Let us not give up meeting together. The devil hates a sense of belonging. He hates it. I want to read this quote from Pastor Phil, which I've always kept. It says, the believer who is alive to God 
will at times find themselves in conflict in their mind with people and their circumstances, in relationship or their health or their finances. There will be days when you find yourself fearful, depressed, discouraged for no good reason. Days when it's hard to believe God. Days you don't want to be in church. Unbelievers' lives look better than yours. Unexplained disasters happen. This is attack. Negative attitudes, strong temptations, evil thoughts, black serve together. Start giving out to somebody else who you could actually help. Forgive each other, encourage one another, stir up the gift, make a meal, go and eat with someone, go and pray with someone, just spend some time with someone else. Regardless of what's going on in your life, pour out. See, the miracle of pouring out, when you and I pour out, God pours back in. But if we're just like, I can't do anything, there's always something of Christ in you you can pour out into someone else. Number three, belonging increases our power. United prayer is a source of power. The promise of prayers being answered are to those who are stand in agreement. Okay? So when you and I are in a place of agreement, one spirit, God begins to move. Matthew 18, 19 says, Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where the two, where two or three come together in my name, there I will be with them. So when we get together, God turns up. Because there's something powerful about uh, fellowship, which is different from just connection. You know, like you can have, we just had coffee with someone and you can have coffee and have a chat. But when you're doing it with Christ, it's like you have a chat, you have coffee, you go to your favorite place. But there's a moment where you're not just talking about what's on the paper or what you did tomorrow or what happened at work. There's a moment where you step over the line and there's not just the two of you, there's the three of you there. And you bring up the promise of God, or you bring up Christ, you bring up something the Lord has whispered to you about, and you cross the line and you bring Christ. That's called fellowship. Fellowship is where there's an exchange of spirit, not just an exchange of head knowledge or information, which is great. We've got to talk and got to look after our soul and have a good long chat. Sometimes you need to have just a chat. But I would encourage you to try and exchange spirits and talk about what Jesus is going to do or make room for God in the situation. Jesus wants us to make sure that we're in unity with each other when we come together or our prayers can be rendered ineffective in Matthew chapter 5. If you're standing before the altar uh, of the, in the temple offering a sacrifice to God and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there and go and be reconciled to that person. And so disunity disempowers you. But when we're in unity, we're empowered. Do everything you and I can to maintain unity. Overlook people's faults. Forgive them. If you need to chat to someone, chat to them. Maybe make an appointment and and talk to them. And that doesn't mean there's going to be a big line outside your office. um, Just, But, you know, why do we disconnect? I mean, there are reasons we connect, but why is it do we disconnect? There's reasons we disconnect. Sometimes we just get offended. And that's reality. Because we get hurt, we have to find a way to get over that. Left to our own devices. When we don't connect with anyone, we just read all this stuff and we form our own opinions and and we become an island as a Christian and we get all this private revelation. Sometimes we can disconnect because we start floating on on our own by ourselves. Sometimes we can disconnect because we come together for the wrong reasons. We come together looking for something that only God can give us, but we're expecting it from people. You know, there are things that God, as a father in heaven, is quite jealous and wants to give you. And he wants you to know 
It's acceptance. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. This is the beloved. And there's an acceptance from God that you can only get from God. If you and I look for that acceptance completely in people, I'm going to tell you that you're probably going to get that down. Because there's things that God wants to give you through people, but there's some stuff he needs to give you direct. And, and, and if you find that, like, hang on, I've been to six different churches in six years. Maybe the problem's not with the six churches. Maybe there's something I'm looking for that God needs to give me that I'm not going to get from church. But he still needs you to be part of the church because he wants to do some heart operation. And so we can come together for the wrong reasons or the wrong purpose. We don't understand what's happening. Sometimes we try to get stuff from other people that needs to come from God, okay? So when people who love us might disagree with us, we don't know what they have to say, so we disconnect. Don't do that. You can agree to disagree. You know, I was a young, uh, a young guy in Bible college years ago, and I got this big prophecy of uh, Pastor Fergus McIntyre, somebody might know him, and, uh, and he said, don't judge what you don't understand. I'm like, oh, wow. He says, just put it on the shelf. I've got a shelf filled with a whole lot of things. And, and you can't throw the baby out of the bathroom. You've, you've, you've got it. Some stuff doesn't make sense, but, 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 but. Okay, you've got to put it up there on the shelf. Eventually it will become clear. And so you've got to put some stuff on the shelf that you don't understand. It's not your exit. It's not your past to leave. And so Proverbs 27 verse 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. The true spirit of friendship is faithfulness. And so sometimes friends have to say things in love to help us continue to grow. Sometimes we disconnect because we don't allow ourselves to trust people. And and trust is spelled R-O-S-K. We do need to trust again. And because trust might have been broken. But learning how to trust again. If we can't trust, well, then we can't grow. And sometimes we disconnect because we can't forget the past. We mourn over things that we can't change. See, circumstances and things can happen to us. But we can't change what's happened in the past, but we can change what's going to happen in the future. So there's no point continuing to mourn about the past. He comes to forgive us, heal us, and set us free. Ephesians 4 verses 20 says, Since then we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected to that old way, old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. Then take on an entirely new life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from inside, working itself into your contact as God accurately reproduces his character in you. Connecting consistently, regularly with a group of friends around a word and a moment of encouragement, you'll find God will begin to do work in you, which is so powerful. It's so incredible. Number four, God dwells in our belonging. This is the one I love. It's one of our anchor scriptures uh, for our church. In Ephesians chapter uh, 4, verses 22, it says, In him you are being built together to become a dwelling place in which, in which God lives by his spirit. A lot of people quote the scripture and say, In him you've been built to become a dwelling place. They forget that one word. Conveniently, you've been built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. And so regardless of who we deal with every day, whether it's our boss at work or our friends or relatives or husbands or wives or neighbours or even that angry customer on the phone, and uh, somehow we have to find a way to negotiate our way through all these relationships as a witness for Christ. 
And so I, I think one of the best gears that God has ever put in any car is, is the reverse gear. And being able to say sorry, and we don't always get it right, and ensure our relationships are healthy and whole, and we are committed to them because the devil does not want you and I to stay deeply connected because of what God can do us, do through us together. And so why don't uh, our musician come and all that? You know, the best way to stay connected is love. Love is the goal. Jesus is the prize. And uh, if we hold fast to Jesus, all the stuff around us that's loose ends, that's stuff we don't understand, why that's happened, or why does church do that, or why did that happen in my old church, all those things get tidied up if we understand that Jesus is the prize, not church. So as we actually become the church because of Christ in us and we're gathered together because of Christ in us, and we let him do what he needs to do. So healthy relationships established in Christ will actually keep us moving forward and growing. Healthy relationships established in love and generous, they involve personal sacrifice. I think the deeper we go, there's like more sacrifice because there's a lot of love, there's a lot of generous. We have to become bigger people and bigger hearted to continue walking with each other. And healthy relationships, relationships established in love, they're committed when it's inconvenient. And uh, we live in a very uh, drive-through, fast-paced life. We want instant gratification or things to be right. But the deal is, that you and I have to understand there's a journey where commitment's involved. And you'll be committed and it'll be inconvenient. It is inconvenient. That's what makes it love. It's like serving is one of the ways we love God. But I'm not sure serving is serving until it becomes inconvenient. I'm not sure it's serving until it becomes. Hey, we're on the second mile here. There's not a lot of traffic on the second mile because a lot of people give up after the first mile. But it's too hard. But God is promising and talking about the power of staying fruitful and effective and all the joints providing something because there's gold on the other side of that as we stay connected and we fight for relationships with one another. You can make more friends in two months by becoming interested in other people than you can in two years trying to get people more interested in you. Some people are like, I can't seem to make friends. Okay, let me give you a tip. All you do is talk about yourself. I started a new connect group in my church and, uh, and some guys and this one guy down this group. Man, he spoke for a long time. So I said, mate, that's just the key. Just talk for two minutes and let everyone else talk. And then it's your turn after everyone else has had a go. And then you can't just talk all the time. And so you can make lots of friends just by being interested in other people. As opposed to I'm trying to get everyone interested in me. Come on, man. Nobody invites me for lunch. Why don't you invite somebody for lunch? Don't worry about it. You know, sometimes you and I, we can be part of the answer and, and stop being part of the problem and start building. So love is forgiving and giving. I would say that. It is about forgiving and it is about giving. So in your relationships, give to those relationships. Be generous in those relationships. Forgive those relationships. Faith sees, hope fills, but love gives. Love is the goal. Mark 12 tells us this. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second best, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So I pray that as we commit to one another afresh, that's what it's about. Because Christ in us is the hope of God. It's not just Christ in me, it's Christ in us. Christ in the gathered us. Somehow Christ is going to come through, through your connect group, through that prayer meeting, through that women's gathering, through those coffees, through those catch-ups. Maybe you just go for a surf together. Maybe you just help someone at their home and build a back deck or build something. Or maybe you're just there to help someone and taking meals or you know someone's struggling. And You know, there's a lot of people God puts in your world. Sometimes you have actually nothing in common with them. I never found that about church. In fact, when I planted my church, most of the guys, I had nothing in common with them at all. I've got this one guy who was like this really educated, 98 percenter sort of Harvard University graduate, incredible academic, who was struggling with depression. I'm like, oh, nothing with university. He's so smart, but his life's a mess. Another guy was from 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 the, um, the, the the North Coast, and just been backpacking, and I've been running my business and working, and backpacking. And God put me with this sort of motley crew. There was about another five people. The all can basically back and they had one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And so on Saturday nights, they're out raving mad and Sunday coming to church, going, how can I help? And like, man, we're going to get your life sorted out a bit here. And so God sort of says, I want you to paint this church, but the people that he gives you, they don't come in the condition that you'd sort of like. And, and I thought, well, you know what? I'm just going to just be committed to them. And and. and and have a few lonely lunches or listen to some conversations that I have no idea what this guy's gone through because I've never gone through it. And I'm not sure. And they were a different generation. They were about 10 years younger than me. I'm like, who are these people? They dress differently. They talk differently. And you know when you're sort of in that position, what are are I doing with all these people? But eventually, when you start praying together, so let's just pray. Let's just have a prayer meeting. So we just made this prayer meeting. Let's just worship and pray. Let's just bring God Suddenly, when we brought God, we formed into this mighty little army that God was able to build something through. But it was a, a mix of sort of these odd bods, different people, all from all different parts of the city. You know? It's like we all grew up in Houston together, that's fine. We all grew up in all the beaches together, that's fine. Nobody grew up anywhere near me. Nobody had an upbringing like me. Nobody had, it was like, I felt like a fish out of water planting this church in Darwin. I thought, what am I doing here? One day I was so, um, I was going to give up. It was about, I was only been doing the church for about a year and a half, two years. I thought, I've got to get a tall pass to fill it up. And I didn't this is bad. I went to his office and uh, had an appointment. And uh, he was in a meeting, so I couldn't see him. I had to wait for about an hour, half an hour, outside his office, just talking to his PA, Diane. And uh, she just got talking to me. It's like, oh, you're doing such an amazing job. It's amazing what you're doing. After about half an hour, I just felt a million dollars. And she's all past the film. I'm happy to see you now. I'm like, no, I don't need to see you. <laughs> <laughs> that was about 20 years ago. And, uh, but you always find a way through. And, uh, and I think when God sends you, sometimes it's a bit counterintuitive. It's like I don't quite understand. But do we have to always understand everything? But do we have to have our world fully down pat and all perfect and all organized? You know, because we're accountants or whatever it is. Everything's got a balance. It's all going to be perfect. And 
God is outside of that stuff. Yeah. He, he, sometimes it is no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has comprehended what God has prepared for you. So just keep walking, stay planted, stay connected, keep praying for one another, look after your soul, look after your spirit, and you'll find that God will weave this beautiful seam of gold. And you're so glad that you stay planted. You're so glad that you planted in the house. You're so glad that you came today and you everything inside of you was screaming, I didn't want to come today. I have to have a day like that. You think, man, I so didn't want to come to church, but that's the day that God so wanted to speak to you and so wanted to minister to you. Why don't we stand up right now? Father, we thank you for these great, mighty people. We thank you, Lord, for the power of connection that we can grow and we can contribute. We thank you, Lord. We come against every assignment that will try and knock us out of the house, Lord. We thank you for the church gathered. We thank you for our connect groups, our life groups, bringing the life of Christ through this region. We thank you, Christian and Melissa, for your hand upon them, over their children. God, that you cover them, you protect them, you favor them. I thank you for our leaders and the team here. We thank you for their servant willing hearts. I thank you for Lord Christ that you are dwelling in us deeply and richly, Lord. And there's a fruitfulness, there's a fresh river of life, there's a flow, there's a grace flowing in this house, there's a grace flowing that's unlocking great gifts and callings, there's unique assignments flowing out of people here, that as we gather together, Lord, we release the great gifts of the Holy Spirit, we stir up those gifts, Lord God, that will not be subject to a spirit of timidity, Lord God, we'd not just be waiting and watching, but we'd participate, Father, we'd be involved, Father God. I thank you for every volunteer in this house, every leader, every shepherd, Lord, bringing hope, joy, and strength, Father, through every season in the mighty name of Jesus. We rebuke every attack against this house. I come against every assignment, Lord, every demon, every plan of the devil that would come against the church gathered, the church being planted, and they'll be thriving, and they'll be fresh, and they'll be flourishing in their old age in the mighty name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.